Well, welcome everybody. We are glad that you're with us today at Wilshire. Brother Dilworth's already given a welcome, but I just want to double that welcome. Uh, visitors, you are so lucky to be here. We are, we are really happy to have our visitors, but guess what? You came on potluck day. And uh, we would, you have no idea what a blessing it would be if you would please stay and be our guest at the potluck. That would just be the greatest. Uh, after this worship service, we're going to have a time of fellowship, uh, coffee and donuts or something, and then we'll have Bible classes, and then we'll have a potluck. It would just be so great if you could stay. I know you may not be able to, but if you can, please, please, please give us that blessing. That would be wonderful. As the men are finishing handing out our uh, sheets for today, you can see that we're going to be looking at the Beatitudes, what are often called the Beatitudes. Beatitude is a word that you never hear used anymore except to refer to this passage of Scripture and a parallel one over in Luke. And Beatitude is just an archaic word that means a state of blessedness. And blessedness is an archaic word that means being favored by God. These are the statements of who is favored by God. Now, as we've been looking at the Gospel of Matthew, we have seen that Jesus is the well-loved, the favored son, the king that God has chosen, anointed as he comes out, out of the waters of baptism, tried in the wilderness, and now he is ready to begin to announce his kingdom. And before we talk about how he goes about announcing what his kingdom is like and how he's going to run it, I want you to remember what the situation was like in his country. The Israelites were an occupied people in an occupied territory. Some 90 years before the events that we're reading about today, the Romans had just taken the territory of the Jews, the ancient territory that God had promised to them, that they had hoped for and dreamed for and finally been given under Joshua, had struggled for and, and, and enjoyed down through the ages, kept sometimes, lost sometimes, regained sometimes, the land that they had sunk their blood, sweat, and tears into. The Romans just came and take it. And now... You go out on the streets of Jerusalem, you go in the, wander in the streets of Jericho, you look in the streets of Nazareth and Capernaum, and every now and then there's either Romans or the agents of Romans strutting around like they own the place, because they do. People would get up and make political speeches, and they would often say, it's never been worse than this. It can't be. People would, would, were divided because the situation seemed so dire. Jews 
were as angry at other Jews as they were at the Romans. Because you're not having the right attitude about how to solve these dire problems that our nation faces. How can you be so foolish, you fool? Don't you see that we have to fight the Romans? How can you be so empty-headed, you moron? Can't you see that we have to make peace with the Romans? How can you do, how can you imagine that we can do anything except raise up in arms against these? How can you imagine that we can do anything except become like the Romans as quickly as possible? Peace, war, war, peace. I mean, you can imagine what it was like to listen to the political conversations of the Jews in Jesus' day. It was chaos. What's needed in a situation like that? Most people said, got to have a strong leader. We need David again. On your study sheet, I thought it would be an interesting exercise to go back and talk about how David was remembered. What was special about David? I picked out just a a few verses for you, just so you could see the way that David was memorialized. Now there's a strong man. If we could just get David again, a king like David, to come back for us. And the Messiah will come. He'll be like David. Look at what's said of David. These are the names of the mighty men whom David had. Joseph Bathsheba, I should have uh, practiced saying these names. Joseph Bathsheba, the Tachmanite, chief among the captains. He was uh, called Adino the Esnite, as if the other name wasn't hard enough. Because he killed, here's his qualifications for high office, because he killed 800 men at one time. And after him was Eliezer, the son of Dodo, the Ahohite, one of the three mighty men with David, when they defied the Philistines who were gathered there for battle, and the men of Israel had retreated. He rose, and he attacked the Philistines until his hand was weary, and his hand stuck to the sword, and the Lord brought about a great victory that day. And the people came back only to plunder and after him was Shammah, the son of Agi the Hararite. The Philistines had gathered together with a troop where there was a piece of ground full of lentils. And so the people ran from the Philistines. But he stationed himself in the middle of the field. And he defended it. And he killed the Philistines. So the Lord brought about a great victory. If you go to this passage here in 2 Samuel chapter 22, there's more. It talks about more. One guy jumped down into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion with with just himself. And, you know, other people who did amazing deeds. You want to talk about a great leader. David is so great that these incredible heroes, they aren't even the king. They serve this incredible King David. That's the way you memorialize a king. That's what a king's like. That's who he calls to himself. That's who he brings near. And when you see somebody like that rising up, you know, there's somebody we can follow. There's somebody who can can set things to right. There's somebody who can 
who can take on the chaos that we face and mold us back into a unity and, and solve our problems. For, that's what we need. So here comes Jesus. Matthew has already let you know this is the king that God is sending. Descended from David, correct lineage, recognized by wise men, feared by the false king who attempts to assassinate him as a baby, anointed at the Jordan River, tried in the wilderness. Here is the true king of God. And I just thought it'd be interesting to notice who were his mighty men? Who does he call? As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, Matthew 4 tells us, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. And they were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee preparing their nets. And Jesus called them and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. And Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria and people brought him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. David has these mighty men. He has the three great heroes. He has the 30 great heroes. He has others who are amazing heroes, though they don't make it into the three or the 30. Where, you know, uh, for Second Samuel is at pains to tell us who David called to himself. Who does Jesus call to himself? The mighty fishermen. <laughs> Peter and Andrew and James and John. Who flocks to his banner? The paralytics, the demon-possessed, the sick, the downtrodden. Here's your king. Here's your king. This is God's king. Jesus acts strangely for a king, calling all the wrong people to himself. And that passage that we've just read, I believe is the correct context to understand the Beatitudes, the 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 statements of God's favor that Jesus opens what we call the Sermon on the Mount with. Because it says all the crowds, these crowds of paralytics and diseased people and, and weak people and poor people, and they all come to him and he calls, he gathers up his disciples that are from this group. And he sits down and he says this, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they 
shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are, are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In fact, blessed are you. Looking out at this crowd of misfits. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you falsely and, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus opens his reign with the strangest inauguration speech ever. I, uh, I don't get invited to a lot of fancy parties. I don't know if you do. I know we have some people here that actually got to go to a presidential inauguration party. I've never been invited. I've never been invited to a government's inauguration party. One time, I actually got invited to dinner with the Queen of England. I think I've told this story. It was an intimate little affair, just me and 250 or so other people. I was seated way back at the hall, the dining hall in Oriel College. She's the royal visitor to that college. And uh, I was way back in the back. And uh, she came in. She's real short, so mostly hat. And, uh, but she said a few words. It was kind of cool. I guess that's the, that's the coolest party in terms of worldly prestige I got ever invited to. Because when we invite people to parties, I'm going to tell you something. We don't use this list. Let's see, who do we want sitting at the, the head table? I don't know. Let's get some people who are pure of heart. How about some people who are mourning a recent loss? That'll liven things up. Some peacemakers would be nice. Make sure we get some people who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Oh, Oh, poor in spirit, poor in spirit. Always great for a party, poor in spirit. This is not your list. The list from chapter 4 is not your list either. Let's invite the paralytics. Let's invite the demon-possessed. Let's invite the sick. That's not your list either. The list is much closer to the list in 2 Samuel. Here's a person who slew 800 if not literally, figuratively. Here's a person who ain't earned eight million. Here's a person who's ready to donate two million to our campaign. Here's a person who's getting ready to take his company public. That's who we want sitting at the head table. That's who the president, that's who the governor, that's who a king wants to bring into his retinue. 
Because if you bring in those people, the way of the world says this. If you bring in the rich, if you bring in the powerful, if you bring in all the people that the world is already blessing, then the rest of us will follow on. Kind of the trickle-down theory of prestige. You know, the rest of us will just sort of, oh, look, all the pretty people and rich people and powerful people are over there. I guess we should go follow that guy too. It's the way the world says it. And so here we have this puzzle that God's king comes. Matthew has left you in no doubt this really is God's king. And God's king comes first to the least and the lowest. You understand what's going on? Things are horrible, Jesus. Our country is falling apart, Jesus. Jews are hating each other. Almost coming to blows in arguments. Sometimes in the synagogue. They're so confused. They need a strong leader. And here you are reaching out to the weakest. The people who can contribute the least. And you stand up in your inauguration speech and you say, Blessed? Are the poor in spirit? We're sick of being poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. We're sick of seeing our sons crucified by the Romans or killing each other in brawls in the streets because our conditions are so bad. We're sick of mourning. We want somebody who promises us things are going to be better. And here you are saying, this is who God has blessed. This is who God is blessing today on my inauguration. God, as king, in the form of Jesus, comes to the least and the lowest. Blessed are the poor in spirit. God... is attracted to those who are poor in spirit. Those who are rich in spirit, who are wealthy in spirit, who can reach into their spiritual wallet and pull out fat stacks of spirituality, whatever that would be, and say, look at how spiritual I am. I got lots. I got spirituality to that's not where God seems to go first. Jesus goes first to those who are poor in spirit. Jesus goes first to those who are mourning. It's uncomfortable to go to those who are mourning. It's difficult. I never know what to say. And as soon as I say something, I... I feel like, well, that wasn't it. There was probably something good to say in this situation, but I didn't manage to come out with it. I stumble over my words. I feel awkward when someone's mourning, when someone's suffering. And Jesus is attracted to that place. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness because I'm coming to you. 
thirsty for it. Not that you have it, but you want it. Little children, old people, you want righteousness. We look at your lives and we can tell by the mess in your life that you're starving for some righteousness. Hungry and thirsty. And Jesus says, yep, that's where I'm going first. That's who I want in my kingdom first. And when voices, voices, voices are saying, we can't solve our problems without war. Be a man. Stand up for yourself. War is what's required. Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. That's where I'm going first. Blessed are the peacemakers. Jesus stands before you and he stands before me without a doubt as God's anointed king. And he tells you clearly, this is the work I'm here to do. Come, follow me, and I will have you fishing for people like this. And the question is, are we able to follow this king? Really follow this king? That's our challenge. About four weeks ago, I heard an interview. An interview of a lady named Tracy Edwards. Some of you may already know that name. There's a movie out about her exploits. Tracy Edwards loved competitive racing. Talk about sailing uh, these small boats, ocean sailing these small boats. She was obsessed actually with the most difficult sailboat race in the world, the Whitbread around the world race. She had worked really hard to get on cruise and she had been on practice cruise, but because she was a woman, she kept getting shut out and shut out and shut out. And so she decided, I'm going to have to buy my own boat and get my own crew if I'm ever going to have a chance to compete. And she started trying to raise money. And because she was a woman, she was not the person that investors were interested in. And she went made the rounds trying to interest rich people in her project of, of funding a boat to enter this Whitbread race. She told the story of she was at some party and, it, you know, for whatever reason, she didn't feel like she was making the connection she needed to. So she actually just went over kind of outside the circle of the party and she started washing dishes. You know, it needs to be done. Somebody needs to do it. So she's washing dishes. And pretty soon somebody comes up next to her and and uh, he begins, to, it's a man, and, and he begins to wash dishes too. 
and she's grateful for the help, and so they wash for a little bit before she looks over. And she knows immediately who it is. It is the king of Jordan. He owns Jordan Airlines. He owns a ton of other state-owned enterprises. I mean, he's the personal owner, almost, of the country. He's the king of Jordan, one of the richest people in the world. And she says, um, your majesty, your highness, sir, I, I don't think you're supposed to be washing dishes. And he said, I'm the king. If I want to wash dishes, they're going to let me wash dishes. And they washed dishes together. And from that connection, he became the sole sponsor of her Whitbread Challenge. She actually was able to put together an all-female crew, and they won the Whitbread Race in 1989. There's a movie, I guess I just gave a spoiler. There's a movie out called Maiden. They're going to win at the end. So uh, if you go see it, sorry. On the day of judgment, you're going to stand there. Some of us may get there sooner. Some of us may get there later. Some of us may only live a few years. Some of us may live many, many years. But we're all going to be there. On the day of judgment, it's, I'm not sure how to imagine it, to be honest. I'm not sure how you imagine it. But I suspect that at least part of what will happen is this. As the book of your life is opened and the deeds are read out, there will be deeds that just are highlighted. I always imagine shiny gold passages. And... and and the deeds that are in shiny gold, I don't think will be the ones I would have expected. My dinner with the queen won't make the cut for the shiny gold. I, I, I doubt that any other of my achievements, such as they are, will make the shiny gold. You know what I think the shiny gold passages are likely to be in the book of my deeds on the day of judgment and in the book of your deeds on the day of judgment? Here's where Jim came to somebody who mourned, and even though he felt awkward about it, he was there. And yeah, he made a mess of it, but he tried. And here's where Jim tried to make peace and stood beside those who were doing that. Here's where Jim sensed those who were hungry and thirsty for righteousness and, and, and did a little to try and help with that. I, I, those are going to be... If I have any golden passages, those will be the golden passages. And they will be for you. And you know why? Because those are going to be the places where somebody else's hands were working beside you. Because <laughs> Jesus comes first to those people. And as you look about your life, you need to realize the people that are hurting, the people that are sick, the people that are struggling with righteousness, not achieving it necessarily, 
Those are the people that Jesus is rushing over towards. And when you go over to those people, as Jesus' spirit breathes in you, as you go to those people, you find your hands and Jesus' hands working to accomplish the same thing. And on the day of judgment, Jesus is just going to be overjoyed for all the work you two did together. And he's going to turn and he's going to say a word to you. He's going to open the way into his kingdom. And he's going to say, blessed. If you need to respond to the invitation of Jesus Christ, if you need to receive him as your Lord in the waters of baptism, if you need prayers and help, because you are feeling hungry and thirsty for righteousness right now, if there's anything else that we can do for you that you need to make public, please come forward. Let us help you any way we can as we stand and as we sing.